Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. Listen up. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me is my fellow football priest. He's a little hot today, I must warn you. He's also the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, this is the gut reaction, dude. I almost called you Zach Gelberman because I was trying to say gut reaction. This is the gut reaction. This is the time to be emotional. This is the time to let the hormones flow, baby. The Broncos basically got trucked today. What's your gut reaction? Well, you know, what we were saying going in was uh, this game will show us what the Broncos are coming off the Baltimore loss. You know, true contenders will uh, battle back from adversity and use that as motivation to play better. The only thing the Broncos proved today was that they are pretenders, not contenders, Chad. That 3-0 start was a mirage. It was the product we can say now for sure of playing opponents like you tweeted about that went 0-9 combined to open the season. The Broncos were outplayed, outcoached, and outclassed. This is now two weeks in a row, Chad. Um, they have no business being on the same field as some of these teams. They played that badly. And when you sleepwalk through 50 minutes of a game and then decide to turn it on at the last 10 minutes, and the only reason they did that was not because they had leadership from the sideline, not because they had fire from the coaching staff, because the circumstance dictated that. They, their backs were against the walls. They were down multiple scores, and they had to start playing. They had to start pushing the ball downfield, playing with urgency. That is the sign of a really bad, poorly led team that the only time they can get something going, they show some fire, is when they're down multiple scores in the fourth quarter. The Broncos, same old Broncos. Same old Broncos as 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017. And even the 2016 team, I would say, is better than this one. It was a gut punch for Broncos country. It was a gut punch for those of us who covered the team, Chad. They were completely out of their element today, and they looked like they wanted no business uh, with the Steelers coming out of the, the, the tunnel. They had no intensity, no creativity. They were literally run, run, pass on offense. The defense wasn't getting any pressure. They were getting beat deep again. Kyle Fuller looks like a free agent bust. Pat Sertan was even whiffing. I mean, you can count on one hand the amount of positives uh, coming out of this game. And Kendall Hinton being one of them, Chad. But yeah. when you get down to the red zone and the game's on the line and you target Deontay Spencer over Noah Fance, it's inexcusable, unjustifiable, and completely incompetent uh, and, and, and a, uh, an indictment of the coaching or lack thereof of the Broncos that is continuing and will continue to sink this team further into the abyss. It's funny because when the Broncos got out to a 1-0 and start, then a 2-0, and then a 3-0, and and out came the skeptics, right? Hey, let's, let's pump the brakes on getting too excited. The combined p- opponents are 0-9. Let's not pump, you know, let's 
let's uh, pump the brakes on getting two out in front of our skis on the Broncos. And we were telling people at the time, look, it's okay to enjoy these wins. You don't know if you're going to get more down the, down the stretch or further into the season. So enjoy these wins while you've got them. But time will tell whether this is fool's gold or whether it's, you know, uh, the real thing. And it turned out to be fool's gold, at least up to this point. Now, look, again, I must caution, you're now five games into the season. Stranger things have happened. All right. There's still a lot of football left to be played. There's still 12 more games in this season. Um, so, you know, as as emotional as I might feel right now, Zach, everyone listening to us right now, at the same time, you know, remember that there is a, a small chance this could turn around. I say that to kind of couch you for what I'm about to say. Listen up, Broncos country. Tick pick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Huddle Up podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Denver Broncos football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Broncos tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, guys. When we were searching for tickets for the MHH meet and greet for week three at home, Broncos versus Jets, TickPick had us locked down. So visit TickPick.com slash huddle today and use the promo code huddle to save $10 on your first order of Broncos tickets. Guys, it was fool's gold. All right. I don't, I don't, I don't see this thing turning around flat. You think that the return of Teddy, the return of Dalton Reisner, the return of Graham Glasgow, three veteran leaders on your offense would provide some kind of spark, right? Some kind of uh, galvanizing metal, two T's. And it didn't, man. It was flat. And that's what surprised me the most is when a team comes out on game day and the opponent's intensity is up here and the, and, and yours is right here and you fail to kind of move that needle and, I mean – it's cause for concern, and just like we said last week, whether it was Drew coming in in the second half or not, Zach, the lack of preparation, the lack of intensity, unfortunately, it speaks to coaching. How do you even come out flat after losing the way they did against Baltimore at home, Chad? A game that a lot of Broncos players and fans thought was kind of um, skewed against them with the hits. I mean, that team concussed the Broncos starting quarterback. And like you mentioned, that starting quarterback came back today. They should have had all the motivation in the world, all the inspiration in the world, and not allow a 1-3 Pittsburgh team. It's like the Broncos were 1-3 and, and Pittsburgh was 3-1. and one, But they allowed Pittsburgh a down-and-out team with a falling-apart quarterback and a coordinator that was drawing as much uh, skepticism and criticism as Pat Shermer. They allowed that to be a get-right game. When you put Von Miller on Chase Claypool in pass coverage, you take away your best pass rusher against an immobile quarterback. I mean, that's not the player's... That's the coaching, and it's indisputable. You talk about the the Broncos' schedule; it's still early. Yes, it's only five games in, but this is—they're three and two now. Losers are two straight. These are the next five games: home against the Raiders, at Cleveland Thursday night, home against Washington, at Cowboys, and home against the Eagles. That's not an easy stretch, Chad. You would have liked to have one of these games 
We mentioned stacking wins, but this one especially because now there's no momentum in the Broncos' corner anymore. There's no faith on the outside in the Broncos' coaching staff and some of the players. Uh, and every facet of the ball melted down today. You saw the special teams let down, which led to points. You saw the defense giving up big play after big play. You saw the offense continue to be stuck in the mud and having no creativity and, and baffling play calling. I mean, this could quickly turn sour for Denver. And how do you have any confidence now? They're 3-2. and two, And if they can't right the ship against a team that was one loss away in Pittsburgh of imploding, how do you expect to do that against an upstart Raiders team that would like nothing more now, knowing the Broncos are bleeding and they're going to be the sharks circling the water? They want nothing more than to drive that stake further into Denver's season, further into their heart. This is not a good position for the Broncos to be in, and unfortunately, I don't have much faith it's going to get turned around based primarily on the coaching. It's that bad, and it's reached a crisis point. The biggest threat to the Denver Broncos right now at 3-2 and two is the collective succumbing to the here-we-go-again mentality and kind of basically giving up the ghost and saying, oh, I guess we are who uh, we've always been and just kind of letting it go quietly into that good night. Uh, let's catch up on some supers real quick. And by the way, for those of you who are paying attention, Thursday night, our last podcast last week, I did pick the Broncos. But Friday when we were writing up the uh, Mile High Roundtable, Zach, I changed my pick, and I did pick the Steelers. And the reason I changed my pick was because, again, I felt like the demise of Ben Roethlisberger was being greatly exaggerated, not to say he hasn't declined. Obviously, he has. He's very banged up as well. But that veteran savvy man it can it, just like a freaking viper rise up and strike you at any moment real quick let's catch up on some super zach because they're coming in ha 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 hot and heavy vince thank you buddy he says it's time for uncle vic and his crew to retire and zach on that same note west side philly jumped in early with the super to say uh, von miller on a slot receiver offense incompetent injury plagued multiple years uh consecutively fire the entire coaching staff keep the scouts I'm sick of this. So those two things, those two supers that kind of go hand in hand. I mean, the Broncos are a soft team, and I know they talk about having no ownership and the the issues that befall them in that regard, but you see it on the sideline chat. I mean, even for those of us watching on television, you can see the the lack of intensity, the lack of passion on Vic Fangio's face. He stands there stoic whether the Broncos are winning or whether they're losing. There's never any fire, and the team takes on that personality. We've been hammering that for two years now, but who else do you get it from? You have a lackey in Ed Donatel as the DC. You have the complete buffoon in Pat Shermer as the OC. You have Tom McMahon, who doesn't deserve to have a job as a special teams coordinator. Where is the leadership? Where is the passion? They should have came out gangbusters, Chad, firing from the hip, doing exactly what they did in the final 10 minutes of the game, the entire game. But they didn't. They weren't ready for that. They got hit in the mouth. And once again, they fell flat and ran away from the challenge. That stems from coaching, lack of preparedness, and overall incompetency. I told you he was hot. I told you, gang. Uh, Chris Hernandez, veteran of the United States Air Force. Love you, bro. Thank you for that symbolic super chat. His gut reaction supers always reflective of the point total for your Denver Broncos. And he says, outcoached and outplayed again. Weird. At least they made it interesting at the end. Click those little thumbs up. Yeah, guys, if you're with us on Facebook or YouTube, please like the video. It's a small thing that you can do to help us out in a big, bad way. 
But yeah, Zach outcoached, outplayed undoubtedly. And here's uh, Antonio as well saying, crazy watching our offense uh, move backwards. Um, oh, let me find this. Here it is. Uh, move backwards. Peyton should clean house this offseason. Keep your heads up, Broncos country. On And thank you guys for the super, Chris. You the man, Antonio. Appreciate you. On this topic, Zach, I'm not going to reveal who, all right? But you'll know soon enough when the piece comes out. But one of our veteran staffers reached out to me at the final gun and said, hey, is it too early for me to write up a top coaching options for 2022 piece? And I said, uh, well, you know, get it in the hopper, but let's see what happens this week. It's angling that way, though. Yeah, publish it. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyone right now uh, or after the pod, put on Fox. It's the national game, and you can see the Cowboys. And that is going to be – that's my number one guy is Kellen Moore, the OC for Dallas. They need to go in that direction. They need to get away from the archaic dinosaurs, the relics of football past, Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio. Go with a young, up-and-coming coordinator who knows which way the wind is blowing in the NFL. And the great thing about Kellen Moore, it seems like he's ready to be a head coach and that head coach would also handle the offense which is so refreshing they need a a coach that can build a quarterback that can scheme and beat an opponent and that is him if it's not him maybe someone like Greg Roman Brian Dayball Eric Bieniemy. there are plenty of candidates out there but when or if probably when the Broncos get rid of Vic Fangio it's got to be an offensive guy and luckily there are many uh that should be able to choose from this offseason Let's grab Shulier B- Bovis, Nickel. <clears throat> Been with us a long time. I always struggle to uh, pronounce your hyphenated surname there, but thank you for the super. He uh, he actually got in a couple. Here's what he said. When 21 comes back, talking Ronald Darby, we need to bench uh, Fuller and Simmons. Haven't said anything about Justin Simmons this year since we're stuck with him for a while, but the touchdown in the third quarter, he was literally covering a ghost. I forgot to add, continues Shulier, Let's not blame any of those mistakes on Kareem. Honest assessment of Simmons, please. Um, it's hard to say in those scenarios just to – I'm not trying to take any of the onus off of Simmons because someone screwed up on on a couple of those plays. It's two weeks in a row now, and it's not – actually, it's kind of been a theme throughout these five games. The back-end communication. We keep hearing yeah. about how the Simmons-Jackson ticket is you know, the best safety duo in the NFL. And I think on paper, I can understand that argument, Zach. But in living color, it has absolutely not shaken out that way this year. It's hard to say when those when, a, when an offense splits a coverage deep and the safeties, you know, get, goes right between them or something. Unless you know what the play call was, it's hard to say. But like last week, we found out after the fact, Justin Simmons confirmed it later in the week during his uh, presser, that that deep touchdown that went over their heads uh, against the Steelers to Hollywood Brown that Simmons turned and let him go that way because he was expecting Kareem to have the help over the top and be deeper than he was. So who's to say what that miscue was today, Zach? And it might have and probably was, as uh, he's talking about, Simmons' fault. But either way, for two veterans and two highly paid veterans, these are you're starting to run out of excuses for why your wires are continually getting crossed. That's exactly the point I was going to make. He's the third highest paid safety in the NFL on an annual basis, Simmons, and you don't have him over the top against Deontay Johnson. You leave Fuller one-on-one on an island in coverage against the, the opponent's top receiver, and they're just being misused and mismanaged. Though it's not all on coaching for Simmons, I've noticed he's taken a step back this year. He's still a great safety. He'll make the play that makes you go wow, but you're also scratching your head more than you have the last couple seasons 
and, and you wonder, did the contract factor in? Is it the scheme? Is it Sim- is it uh, Jackson playing next to him? You wonder how much more dynamic Simmons may look with a player like Hayden Stearns opposite, who might have a little more athleticism and a little more sideline-to-sideline ability. But there's a definite breakdown in the back end. It's the cornerbacks. It's the safeties. Uh, it's everyone, and I'm guilty of it. Before the season, I was talking about no fly zone 2.0 and this and that, and the league's best secondary. They are far from that, Chad. They have not earned those accolades, and I don't think they will earn those accolades that it keeps to lead Chris Harris and so and so many others uh, earned on the field. Bryce Mindset. Hey, welcome. Thank you, buddy. He says, hey, Priest, been a long-time viewer, but this is my first Super Chat. Hey, welcome. thank you, bro. Appreciate that. He says, let me, uh, it cuts off. So let me back it up here. He says, uh, if this coaching staff makes it until the end of the season, I'll question George Payton's integrity and passion for the game. I wouldn't necessarily – I mean, I'd slow your roll a little bit on that, Bryce, and the only reason I say that is what options does Payton have in season? Like once you're in the season, that's it. Unless you have – like in the case of the Cowboys, you know, you could understand if they went on the schneid, Zach, that uh, you fire maybe your little – closer on the trigger to fire the head coach because you have a guy groomed ready to step in. Who do you really have if you fire Vic? I mean, I get it. You have two former head coaches in Mike Munchak and Pat Shermer, and you also have a former Alabama head coach in Mike Shula. So there are some horses there, but those horses are so reflective of the guy that you're firing. All you're really doing is just sending the message and so maybe, you know, that's worth it, but you have to decide if that's worth it before the, the actual football is, is done being played. Some of those horses belong in the glue factory. Pat Shermer, you know, some of these old coaches, Chad, they have no business. Yeah, I would want the Broncos to promote a twice-fired head coach in Pat Shermer to interim status. You talk about Mike Munchak, who was briefly a head coach, but I think he's much better as a positional guy, and he obviously competed with Fangio in the hiring process. But you're right. They don't have anyone that can they can groom a young up-and-coming assistant. Maybe Mike Shula. I mean, you're running out of options with this coaching staff because they're mostly a an older veteran group. They don't really have that young hotshot. So that's why Peyton, I don't think it's passion for the game. I don't think it's a dereliction of duty. I think he's he made his bed with the coaching staff, and by hook or by crook, he's going to get through the season and, and make his move after that. So if they sputter... If they finish, let's say, 7-10 and 10 or 8-9 and nine this year, he's not going to make any in-season changes. I think he's going to wait till after the season, do it right, clean house, and get his own guys in the building, as it should have been done in the first place. Wade Kimball, hey, thank you for that super chat. Wade, it cuts off, so I'm going to read half of it from the back end here. Says, Wade, our defense is not a top-five unit. Maybe next year. The O-line is dismal, and our D coordinator using Vaughn to cover wideouts, not rushing the passer. Been a Broncos fan for 50 years, and this won't be the first time I've said there's always next year. Yeah, Wade, I feel you. And again, now's the time to let those hormones run close to the to the surface, right? And, you know, this is the gut reaction. But uh, at the same time, I just want to remind everybody, I'm. it's looking like, you've heard me say it, this will be the second time, it's looking like it was fool's gold. Zach, is it time to hit the panic button in terms of, the destiny of this season, is it time to hit the panic button? I say yes. What say you? Well, I, God, it's so tough. I, I said after Baltimore, definitely not. Let's see how they respond against Pittsburgh. 
But, you know, this is how they responded, Chad. What confidence should we have in the Broncos that they can rally and right the ship and become a more cohesive, better team? I think the bloom is off the rose on Teddy Bridgewater, who made some plays in the fourth quarter, but again, very inaccurate, very skittish in the pocket. His offensive line did him no help. You saw a journeyman for three and a half quarters almost. The bloom is definitely off the rose for Pat Shermer and the small sect of Broncos fans and media that thought he was turning a corner in the first three games. That was a by product of facing really bad defenses that even he looks good against. So I, I, I wouldn't say panic button. There's still three and two, a lot of season left to go. Maybe they can sneak in a wild card. But when you have games like the Raiders coming up, the Browns coming up, you're almost in a must-win situation. And right now, Chad, I'm asking you non-rhetorically, do you have confidence in the Broncos in a must-win situation against any team right now, let alone a bitter, hated AFC West rival? No, I don't have any confidence in this team anymore. You know, I wanted to uh, get out there and be out in front. And, you know, Zach and I, believe it or not, <laughs> most of you know this. This is a gut reaction, so it might come off, you know, the opposite here. But we're generally half-glass full type people, all right? We, we want to see the, the bright side and, Much and the upshot. And so we tried to maintain that perspective through three games. Last week, it was flat. Teddy gets the concussion. You're like, well, we'll see, right? Today... Uh, I, I forgive me, I forget who tweeted this to me, but they said uh, Teddy Bridgewater looks weak. Now, this was before the furious fourth quarter, um, but still, Teddy looks weak. And I said, well, you know, very apt observation. There's something about him. Maybe it's the vestiges of the concussion, whatever it might be. He doesn't look like it's like the, you know, it's like I, I wake up on a Saturday morning, make my eggs, bacon, open the fridge for the orange juice. My kids have drank it. There's no juice. Teddy, where's the juice, dog? <laughs> it's gone. All the Broncos have are saltines and uh, old, warm milk, Chad. That's the Broncos' offense right now. It's completely disgusting. It's undigestible. Uh, you don't want to taste it. You don't want to experience it. You want to avoid it at all costs. Um, but a lot of fans are forgetting that before the concussion last week against Baltimore, Bridgewater wasn't looking that great either. He was the same kind of uh, play style, a little more inaccurate, a little more erratic. He finally got it going today, but you're seeing why he's on his fifth team now. You're seeing why the Broncos really hitched their wagon to a journeyman star. And that's okay when you have elite coaching that can coax the most out of that quarterback and out of that offense. But once again, when you don't dial up a red zone shot, to your possible Pro Bowl tight end, and instead you go to Deontay Spencer, a punt returner, when you have uh, first and goal at the three or so, and you have a three-wide shotgun formation, the no uh, threat of the run, no, no, no misdirection, no pre-snap motion, how do you expect to win with any quarterback, let alone a physically, I would say, diminished quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, especially now after the concussion? Randy, thank you for the stars, brother. We'll do an update as things, uh, as we, if it slows down a little, we'll do an update on where we stand on the stars uh, contest on Facebook. I'll tell you, we're at about 17% to our goal of 250,000. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? I might as well quickly just flash the uh, flash the screen. We're at 17% complete to our goal of 250,000 stars on Facebook. If we reach it, we're raffling off a of Pat Sertan, the second jersey. But we're uh, behind the eight ball. So this is going to be very helpful, Randy and Shane and everyone else throwing down stars today, helping everyone get there. I'll, I'll show the rankings a little bit later. But Randy says, <coughs> pardon me, we need new coaches. Please, George, help Broncos country. And then also, Zach, we've got 
Shane Daniels, great friend that we got a chance to get to know a little bit at the meet and greet with 3,000 stars. He says, Fuller looks lost. Fangio looked overwhelmed, and Shermer called plays for three quarters like he was coaching high school ball. I still love my Broncos. Yeah, what do you say about this Kyle Fuller, man? I mean, I've, I have I can't really think of him making a play yet. It's just him getting burned for yeah. touchdowns. Like, that's all I've seen so far in this version of the Orange yeah. and Blue. I, I'm so surprised because I was so hyped about his signing, uh, more so than Ronald Darby. Uh, Kyle Fuller was one of my favorite acquisitions of the entire offseason. I thought he would be a possible Pro Bowl player. But Bryce Callahan, not even Patrick Sertan, Bryce Callahan is the most stable cornerback the Broncos have right now. And I'm with you. I can't remember Fuller really making a play. He came within inches of picking off a pass, but then right after that, he got beat deep with no safety help over the top. I mean, you may be questioning or seeing why now Chicago let him go and the Broncos were so desperate to swoop him up. You thought in the Fangio system he would perform better, but he's actually regressed. And the thing about Pat Shermer, I know we're going to get to Dwayne in a second. Uh, someone mentioned in the comments here about Noah Fant, he can't block. Well, let me ask you a question. Why was Noah Fant on an island one-on-one against T.J. Watt? That's not necessarily Noah Fant's fault. A good coach would have protection and help for Noah Fant and not leave him matched up there. Again, it all comes back to coaching in the end. For what it's worth, Fant has kind of stayed static as a blocker since he entered the league. He hasn't really gotten any better, hasn't really regressed per se. I mean, it was never his forte, but that... Really, their one play that the Broncos made offensively in the first half, that long pookie run that almost was a touchdown. I mean, this close to being a score. Noah had a nice ceiling block that sprung him on the toss. So for what it's worth, uh, Dwayne says, thank you, Dwayne, for the super chat. Shermer is simply an average offensive coordinator. He needs to get better. Will uh, We will. We should be better uh, versus Pitt. Let's go. Yeah, Shermer, man, it's alarming. I mean, we we clown on this dude on this podcast quite a bit. I'm, I mean, you guys know that, that we're not very impressed by Pat Shermer. But, Zach, today it was laid bare and made just palpably apparent, dude. This guy is – you want to talk about fool's gold. Broncos paid some money to a jeweler for Pat Shermer thinking, all right, we got ourselves some some nuggets here, some gold, and only to get it back and their in-house guy – putting on the microscope, you know, the jeweler's micro, you know, a little ocular, singular ocular. Oh, man, you guys got burned. Fool's gold. Yep. Fugazi. That's Fugazi. What Pat, that's what Pat Shermer is. <laughs> Completely Fugazi. Yeah, and, yeah you're, we're talking about Al Pacino in uh, Donnie Brasco here, all right? Fugazi. I, yeah. I know what a Fugazi is. It's yeah. a fake. My Italian side took over for a second. I would even say that average is being too kind for Pat Shermer, though. I think he's well below average considering the glut of the Broncos offensive wep- weaponry, even after losing Jerry Judy, even after losing KJ Hamler, Alberto, you still have receivers, running backs, tight ends that can make things happen. And Pat Shermer, when you don't even throw a screen, when you have no pre-snap motion, no jet sweeps, uh, when you rarely take deep shots unless your back is against the wall, even with a quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, I mean, how could you say that's average? To me, it's it's a D minus grade, not a C grade. Drew Hollenbeck, what's good, bro? Good to see you. How you doing? We missed you at the meet and greet. You were one of our uh, core guys we were hoping to see, understand, though, you know, making a, a trek from your fair state. We understood it. You couldn't make it. But hopefully next time, dog, he says Cleveland was wide open in the end zone, like two plays before Teddy's game ending pick. Teddy chose to force it to Timmy P. 
this game was a disaster. Yep. Coaching. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Teddy, uh, look, he showed some. He showed a, a little bit of a spark in garbage time, Zach. Too little, too late. And that final sequence, man, once you got a little bit close to the to the end zone, head scratching, to say the least. And it looked like Teddy could have ran on one of those plays. He had an open lane. You wonder, was he tentative because of the concussion? Did he not want to take a hit? I mean, he was kind of chased and uh, hurried behind the Broncos OL today. But yeah, I didn't like the play selection. I didn't like where Teddy went with the ball. It just was a complete disaster when the game mattered the most. And when a team comes up that small, they're called pretenders. That's the name for her. The Duchess, Michaela, love you. Thanks for being with us today, my friend. She says, can we get rid of our coaches now? We won't keep any free agents because who would choose to play here? What about ownership and responsibility or lack thereof? Yeah, I mean, the accountability factor kind of lost its um, its luster for a minute there under John Elway as the GM, you know, kept losing and losing and losing. No heads would roll except, you know, one head coach. And then Elway kind of fired himself probably after being – squoze right or squeezed i think is the right word there uh by the ceo joe ellis and now you know you tied uh george payton's hands by saddling him with a lame duck head coach and now you're in for a dime in for a dollar there's no turning back now that football is here and you're playing so those are decisions i mean it makes you wonder why what was the argument what was the rationale what was the logic that Elway Ellis, because, you know, John was still a big part of all the decisions that were made. He just took the step back from being the GM. In those interviews and those conversations with George Payton, who's, you know, looking to get the job, and he's they're like, look, we want you, we want to keep you, but we want you to hold on to Vic for one more year. What was the logic, man? What I wouldn't have given to have been a fly on the wall during those conversations? Yeah, uh, you know, if Fangio, you can talk about how bad he is, but if he had any gumption whatsoever, if he had these in terms of a football professional, he would fire Tom McMahon. He would make a statement and hold someone accountable for now the Broncos downturn at 3-2, and two, but he won't do it. We don't know what he said because we hopped on the podcast chat right after the final whistle. We have no idea what he said in his post-game press conference, but I can bet you guys he either said, you know, he deflected about Tom McMahon, the coaching, Pat Shermer, or, uh, uh, you know, deferred accountability and tried to uh, lob it onto something else. But if he had any sort of metal, we like to use that word a lot, he would make a statement, but he won't do it. In terms of free agents, I never really bought into that. Free agents will go where this is. If you throw enough money at someone, they'll sign on the dotted line. You don't have to worry about that. And the good thing about Denver is take away the coaching, take away how bad this loss is. They really do have a talented roster. They have a lot of exciting players, a lot of exciting veterans, but more so a lot of exciting young players, and outside players see that. So regardless of the coaching, I don't think the Broncos have to worry about being a destination that players are going to avoid. Robot of Doom on Twitch, thanks for being with us, buddy. Pat Shermer wanted to prove to the media and fans, wanted to prove them wrong. He wanted to run the football so that he could shut the fans up. Well, Pat, you bought your pink slip, bud. Bye. Yeah, it was, uh, you know... Stink did who I love listening to Stink. Like seriously, of all the uh I know he's a local guy and he's he's one of our own, but of all the color guys that span from ESPN to NFL Network to Fox and CBS, I think Stink does the best job, man. Like he's got the most personality. His little uh anecdotes and one liners and whatnot make me chuckle. I think Stink's the, is the man. Uh but here, Brandon Harden. And by the way, get 
ESPN, throw the money at stink and watch your ratings go up. I'm telling you. Brandon Harden, uh, Bama Broncos, both of his teams lost today. That is, uh, or this weekend. That's unfortunate. He's got another one here. I'm starting to uh, a go fund. I am starting a GoFundMe, or maybe it's a GoFindMe as well. Where is Pat Shermer? Like, was he on the beach somewhere today? And who who was calling plays uh, for Pat Shermer? We feel you, buddy. But thank you, Brandon. It was Pat Shermer. And to a previous um, uh, previous comment that said he has to get better, he is not going to get better. He showed you who he is, and it's time for us, those of us who have, and not including Chad and I, it's time for Broncos fans and media and everyone else to believe him. He is not going to get better, and in fact, he's getting rapidly worse, and it's coming at the detriment of the entire Broncos offense. Here is Mark Langley, a.k.a. Mark from Georgia, a.k.a. Big Daddy Mark jumping in from the top rope. Thank you, bro. What's up, my guys? The whole coaching staff needs to be fired. Piss poor blocking, piss poor tackling, no offense, and PS2, and piss poor play calling again, again, again. Hashtag huddle up pod. Hashtag we suck. Piss poor indeed. PPT. Piss poor tackling. PPB. Piss poor blocking. I feel you, Mark. I mean, the pl- I, I mean, I don't feel bad about hammering the same point here, but the play selection, when they got near the goal line, and to the last question we got about the running, it seemed like Pat Shermer was overcompensating for only calling four or five run plays in the second half, so he went above and beyond to hammer the run, even when it was apparent it, shouldn't, it wouldn't work, and when it should have worked, he went to the pass. You saw on the two-point conversion, it was a throw. You saw when they got near the goal line, they had three wide and a shotgun, and you saw it in the last moments of the game they had time enough chad where they could have run it with pookie they could have run it with melvin gordon they chose not to do that so he really made it a point i think he heard the criticism he might have read our articles chad and mhh.com calling him out for that but i think he went a little too far left with the run and when he needed it he didn't use it but that once again that is pat saltine Shermer at his best greg smith wants to know if there's any chances of mhh gear providing some shot glasses Coming down the pike. Uh, I just checked. Unfortunately, our third-party provider, they offer, you know, we do have the coffee mugs. They also offer, as far as uh, beverage receptacles, water bottles. But as of this moment, no shot glasses. But we are considering switching our provider. So maybe uh, we'll keep an eye out for something like that uh, with the next one if we do end up moving to a uh, a different provider. But uh, thank you, Greg. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, real quick here. Um <laughs> Imagine if we had a drinking game, like take a shot every time the Broncos fail to convert a third down. We would we would all have liver damage. You know, we would all have alcohol poisoning. It's that Br- Brent Suhu. I know, I know. I need a, at that point you would need a liver transplant. Brent Suhu got a new nickname for Pat Sertan, Sir Whiffalot. Yeah, man. He uh, he made a couple of plays today he in did. coverage, yeah. and I was happy to see those. They Big Ben did kind of test him a little bit. Um, held his own for the most part in coverage, but as a tackler, yeah, I can see how the uh, Sir Whiffs a lot moniker could become a thing. I also, he made a really nice play. He had a, a nice pass breakup where he showed his length. He showed his closing ability. He showed his overall talent, but yeah, he has to get better with tackling, but it's more of those death by inches. And for a coach that kept preaching, they're not going to die by inches. Uh, what it says on their death certificate every time they lose is inches. And including those kind of plays. Good to see you, Michael. Appreciate you being with us, buddy. Also, it's really good to see Larry. Been a minute, bro. Hope you're doing well. 
we are keeping an eye out for you at the meet and greet. Another one of our longtime listeners and community members we are keeping an eye out for. But hopefully next time, Big Dog. He says, uh, on a super weird, it, it took a game-losing interception from Teddy for people to realize that Shermer was the problem. Like we said last year. Yeah, I mean, hopefully people realize Shermer's a, a problem. Is he the problem? There's a dang good chance. But hopefully people realized, for those that were still holding out hope, that he is a problem last uh, last week, pardon me, when he called four runs in a two-score game in the second half against the Ravens. I mean, you can argue, I mean, even the most ardent Pat Shermer critic or supporter would argue there's multiple problems, but I think uh, he he manages the biggest piece of the pie there. I think he's about 70% of the problem. The coaching in general, Fangio and Pat Shermer, McMahon, it makes up the biggest problem. And uh, the smaller part, the secondary issues are execution on the field, the players, but far and away, the play calling, the preparation, the game planning, the situational management, the coaching, in other words, that's the biggest issue. Here's Zachary Butler. Good to see you, buddy. Thank you for the super chat. Um, he says, uh, does Zach, he says, Fangio is not a head coach. Personnel, coaches, and player choices, this man cannot do more than one thing at a time. Copyright, Zach, it all starts with coaching. Copyright. Chad, F-word, uh, Raji on Twitter. It's just a bring everyone down. Who's Raji? Raji. Oh, 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 the troll, the troll. Yeah, dude, every once, most of the time I don't even respond to trolls because you give them, when you feed the trolls, you give them a platform and all you do is basically uh, punch down. Every once in a blue moon, though, if the, the stars are aligned and I, the, the kind of bad mood strikes me like today with the Broncos, I, I decided to uh, bury that cat. But uh, yeah, no no sweat, Zach. Trust me, I don't, we don't lose sleep over trolls. Believe we uh, we don't care about that. Uh, here's Corey H. Zach, appreciate you, Corey. He says, I expected a slow start from the offense today, but the defense looked second rate at best, and that is inexcusable. Serious questions need to be asked. Here, good point here. Now, Zach, the Denver Broncos drive back, get into the game, uh, go for the two-point conversion to try and narrow it to three points, and unfortunately, the play is bust. Now it's a five-point margin. Then the Broncos' defense allows the Steelers to march down and get points in what is, you know, for lack of a better term, that's your four-minute defense. Like, you need to get them off the field. They're just against the rookie cues. They look dominant. You can shut out Zach Wilson. You can beat the living snot out of Trevor Lawrence. But Big Ben Roethlisberger, I mean, again, his demise, I, I wasn't buying into it. Is he the same player he was even a few years ago? Obviously not physically. I mean, they did a pretty good job of showing you that this dude's basically stuck together with bubble gum and toothpicks. And, you know, I mean, this, they're, they're doing the best they can to keep him on the field. But he's still got that football brain, that savvy. And uh, he found a way to exploit the Broncos. Like, did you notice that when they took a shot, that first touchdown, Zach, they didn't go after the rookie. They went after Kyle Fuller for a reason. And that's what, you know, you can't sleep on when you go against veteran quarterbacks especially accomplished all-timers future hall of famers you gotta expect them to you know put their finger on that sore spot wherever it's at they're gonna they're gonna put their finger on they'll find the hole in the boat it's coaching because matt canada who's been as scrutinized as pat Shermer has been in pittsburgh the oc there he saw on tape 
that Kyle Fuller was the weak spot in the Broncos' cornerback core. So what did they do? They had a game plan to attack that. What a refreshing and novel concept. A game plan based around an opponent's weaknesses, and you try to exploit that. And that's what Pittsburgh did today. And that's why the Pittsburgh offense woke up against Denver's defense. I think they did look second-rate, and I think they are a little second-rate. I don't think they look that way. When you Alexander Johnson can't catch interceptions, you're allowing um, five yards to carry almost, it seemed like, to Najee Harris. You're allowing big plays down the field. And know what it reminded me of, Chad? You mentioned that the defense can't get a stop. It reminded me of the finale from last year when the offense kept the Broncos in the game against the Raiders, and what did Vic Fangio and the defense do? Blew it time and time and time again. This defense has never come up clutch in the Vic Fangio era, and you see it almost every single time, every single game. Uh, here is one from Steve Armstrong. Appreciate that, Steve. He says, uh, a mile-high salute to the priests. Right back at you, brother. Uh, just feels like deja vu. I feel like winning against crappy teams to start the season is just false hope. Both sides of the ball need to improve, no doubt. In fact, Mark Langley texted me as I was getting the stream set up, and he's like, feels like 2020. I don't blame you. Like The big difference between 2020 and what's happening now is you got that little cushion early on, but the bodies are dropping at the same rate. I mean, Shelby, let's knock on wood here. Hopefully there was no one that went down that's going to be hitting IR. If so, this would be the first game the Broncos made it out without a key player either getting hurt or ending up on injured reserve. But yes, it's starting to feel, Zach, eerily familiar. And that's why I'm telling you that the biggest threat to the Broncos still making something of this season is succumbing to the here we go again mentality. And you could see it happening in real time out on the grass last week in the, at the Ravens and even for the majority of this game. It's all side. I mean, there's not just two sides to the ball. It's not both sides. There's three sides to the ball. And you can argue that the Broncos lost the game on that Draymond Jones special teams penalty and allowed Pittsburgh to extend its drive, and they converted that into, touch, into a touchdown into points, and that was basically the difference in the game. So it's all sides of the ball. It's all of the coaching, and they keep coming up small. And you know we've had nitpicking with them when they go up against the you know the Joe Judges and the Urban Myers and the Robert Salah rookie head coach but you see the dichotomy the difference in the the, the coaching talent level when it's Vic Fangio versus uh, John Harbaugh, Vic Fangio versus Mike Tomlin. They don't just lose. They get completely outclassed and that starts with the man on the sideline underneath the headset, the coaches. Joshua Shadow, thank you brother one of our great supporters and superstars jumping in to say, I'm not trusting these backs in big situations is hurting us. And Teddy out here trying to be, pardon me, not trusting these backs in big situations is hurting. And Teddy out there trying to be Tim Tebow, not playing till the fourth quarter. Yeah, this was a very much like a Tim Tebow uh, type performance where you suck it up for three quarters. And then in the fourth, when the opponent goes into prevent mode, suddenly the garbage time production comes and, you know, that hadn't been Teddy up to this point as a Bronco, right? He had found a way to make hay all four quarters. But so far, these last six quarters he's played, Zach, it's a little concerning. Again, you're seeing why. I mean, the Panthers got rid of Teddy Bridgewater in favor of Sam Darnold. And Sam Darnold, I didn't see the Panthers game today. I think they lost. But he's playing, I think, on a higher level than Teddy is. And he has better coaching to boot. But you're seeing the journeyman... Uh, the red flags and the negative traits come out. He's not a super, super overly polished quarterback. And I think the Broncos 
fans and some of the media were trying to polish him after the 3-0 start more than he deserved to be. He played well, but it was masked by inferior competition and the Broncos getting the breaks. When they didn't get the breaks, when the ball doesn't bounce their way or when the coaching lets them down, when they go off script, you see how bad the coaching can be and you see how poor Teddy Bridgewater can be. Ricardo, appreciate that super chat. He says, long-time listener, second-time super chatter. Thank you, bro. Coaching was awful, and they all need to go. This loss is on the penalties by Pookie and Jones. As much as I hate – let me find where it cuts off here from Ricardo. Bear with me one second. I should have had that queued up. Uh, as much as I hate – where to go? Oh, here it is. As, uh, as much as I hate the call on Pookie, it cost us a touchdown. Zach, your thoughts? I mean, I'm not really blaming the Broncos' loss today. On I mean, I know I just said on special teams it was a difference in the game, but if they would have just stepped up, if they would have played and coached like they did in the last 10 minutes the entire game, they would have probably won today. So it's it's embarrassing that it comes down to penalties and it takes points off the board or adds points to the board for the opponent. But even that, you can argue, if they have these penalties and these and these things still pop up, these issues... What's the common denominator? It's a it's a non-rhetorical question that you all know the answer to at this point. Okay, here's the deal. We're at 43 minutes, but I just checked the back end, and we are backlogged because we have the greatest community in Broncos country here at MHH. We've got a straight-up avalanche of Super Chats. So I'm going to read Aaron's Super here, Zach, and then I'm going to go through after we address his, and we got a rapid-fire some supers, but here's what Aaron says and big a little a RON. Appreciate you, brother. He says uninspiring all around, nothing like wasted talent on Sunday morning. Not sure how the Broncos were able to make it even relatively close. Where are you at, Pat? You're outdated, bud. Zach, what's your line about it? It's like a 2003 offense or something like that. I mean, it's even worse than that. It's even worse than that. This dude, just nothing he calls, Actually, let me reverse that. All of his calls are easily anticipated by the opponent with very few exceptions. Pat Shermer is like Radio Shack in the year 2021. I I mean, they still exist, I believe, but they're so few and far between. They're so outdated. They're so archaic. They're relics of things past. And that's what Pat Shermer is. He, He does not deserve to be the Broncos OC. He does not deserve to be the one to squander this much talent, and you can argue squander the entire season. They needed a coach, and they finally had one in Scangarello, and he had his faults too, but he was a young up-and-coming guy. He went 4-1 and one with a rookie quarterback coming in cold. They finally had a younger guy that was more in tune with the NFL nowadays, and what did they do? They fired that guy to bring in some 58-year-old, twice-relieved former head coach in Pat Shermer. That was the Broncos' biggest downturn. And that's why, for anyone arguing the Broncos' quarterback picks have have led to the Broncos' uh, last five years, non-playoff, losing seasons, it's been the coaching moves and the lack thereof that have really sunk this franchise. Uh, Here's a a few I'm going to read. And and this is one of those rare cases, gang, where we might not be able to flash all your super chats. We'll get to them, but we might not be able to flash them. Let's grab a couple here in rapid fire. AJ Zillinger, who's been a very patient boy, appreciate it. He says, we have a bottom five coaching staff, but he has a little bit of a typo, Zach, and it might actually be Freudian here. We have a bottom five couching staff. Maybe these dudes belong on the couch after all. And then Reggie says, can we fire Vicya, please? 
Tony D.A. Dub says, we are so uncreative on offense, and our secondary, the highest paid in the NFL, looks pretty so-so. Thoughts? Zach, This this uh, that's one of the things that has been disappointing the last two games, right? You go against two you know, significantly better quarterbacks, and suddenly that secondary is not looking anywhere near as smothering as it did the first three weeks. It, everything took a downturn, and you know, I, now I'm starting to realize that maybe teams have adjusted to the 2021 Broncos. They they had three games of film going into the Baltimore game, and maybe the Ravens kind of gave the blueprint how to contain Teddy Bridgewater, how to beat up on the defense, take shots deep, split the safeties. There's a non-coincidence here in these two losses. There's a common denominator. It's the opponents playing better and coaching better, but also the Broncos' own players and coaches not performing up to snuff like you saw in the first three weeks. And that's indisputably now a mirage, 3-0. It was an outlier, and like you said, Chad, it was fool's gold completely. Patriot Tech says, fire Fangio and Shermer now. Shula for the interim head coach. Let's... uh. I'm going to ask you a question that kind of vibes off of that. But first, let me just grab a couple more here. Bryce Mindset with another super. Thank you, buddy. He says, coaches are holding back this young team's potential. Christian De Jesus says, I think it might be time to get rid of Lauren Landau. That's the strength coach. Once we get a new owner, a new trainer, and new team team doctors. And then Eddie Vasquez, what's up, Eddie? He says, such conservative play calling still. Denver Broncos for life. Terrible protection. Teddy held it too long at times. Uh, but still, bad game, all in all. Hashtag trying to keep my head up. And then here's one more from Casey Nichols saying, and thank you, all of you guys, thank you. Same old BS, different game. This coaching staff, a bunch of Neanderthals. Uh, we need a Kellen Moore, youthful coaching, energetic, and innovative. So what I want to ask you, Zach, is something that occurred to me reading Patriot Texas Super Chat here. If the Broncos were, and I don't think they're even close to this yet, but if the Broncos were to fire Vic in season, again, you got two former head coaches on staff, NFL head coaches, and a former Bama head coach in Mike Shula. Who do you think would be best suited? Not so much who would they go to, but who would be the best guy to serve as interim? I mean, if you want to go just to see what you have in Mike Shula, even though I don't think he's even close to being a head coaching candidate, you'd probably go with him. But if they want stability, if they want experience, which I think Peyton would uh, gravitate toward, I think Mike Munchak. He's a revered positional coach. He has head coaching experience. It seems like he's one of the few adults that's not sitting at the kids' table in Dove Valley. So that would be my choice. I don't know if they go that way. Knowing the Broncos, they would name Pat Shermer the interim, but I would go Mike Munchak. Jeff Hepner, thank you for that super chat, buddy. He says, outcoached again. What would Shanahan be with this team? Embarrassing. Fire the staff. Put in lock. This is stupid. See, and that's another thing that we questioned when Teddy won the job. And again, oh. look, Teddy looked like, made everybody look like they were the smartest dudes in the room through three games. But one of the things we questioned when that decision was made and lamented and complained about, as you guys know, is, all right, what if you – have another so-so season or a bad season you are never going to know what you had in drew you might as well play the young guy because the the gap between these two is if there is one isn't so significant that it's not a night and day difference so you're giving up on the opportunity to really see what you had in drew continue developing him through at least one more season that is something that unfortunately is you know, it's a byproduct of what this season is. They're, they wasted their last swing at the plate. If this season ends up going down the drain, they wasted one last 
swing at the plate to see what they had in Drew. I just can't believe, Chad, we're at the point of the season. It's already devolved to fans calling for Locke to start. The same fans that were booing him when he entered the game last week in, in place of an injured Bridgewater are now saying start Locke. And some of you guys might have been wanting Locke to start all along. I don't think it would matter all that much because they still have the coaches in place. And yeah. it's it's to the same point as now in hindsight, do you see why it was maybe a blessing in disguise for the Broncos not to trade for Aaron Rodgers, not to trade for Deshaun Watson, or maybe even draft fields because they'd all be saddled with the same detriment, the same cancer to the Broncos. And that's Pat Shermer and the coaching staff. So it would have been a lot to give up for, I think, little in return. Nothing is going to change until things change. And what I mean by that, nothing will change until the Broncos change their coaching staff and make some big wholesale moves. Here's Najal Taf. Appreciate you, brother. He says, another disheartening day, brothers. If A.J. makes one of those catches as bad as this team played, um, where'd it go? I lost. Oh, here it is. Sorry. As bad as this team played, would have completely changed the game if A.J. makes one of those picks. Fuller, horrific, tired of the lack of intensity, particularly against well-coached teams. I feel you, dude, and that's another reason why I changed my pick is it's like, who are you going to select here? Big Fangio coming off a really disappointing loss or Mike Tomlin looking to prove to the NFL world, Zach, that, hey, we're, we're, we're still here. On, I believe it was Thursday's podcast, I uh, lauded Mike Tomlin as being the one of the most underrated and one of the best head coaches, for my money, in league history. And you saw why today. For them to come out, I know they're at home. I know it's in a, an East Coast early afternoon kickoff for the Broncos, but he had the Steelers ready to go. He had the Steelers up for this game, and he made a falling apart quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger. He, they had a great game plan. I mean, the coaching was just on point from Tomlin to Matt Canada to everyone on the Steelers' side for the most part. And you see the difference. You see, once again, when it's Fangio versus Mike Tomlin, Fangio versus John Harbaugh, Fangio versus Andy Reid. I mean, it's like a child battling an adult. Sadly, let's uh, tip our cap to how our stars rankings are going today. Much love and huge mile high salute to each and every name on this list. Shane Daniels, Randy Jones, Mike Reno, Andrew Lampy, Alexander Emmert, John Holloway, James Grossman, David Wilder. David, send us that uh, selfie pic, brother, with your hat. Michael Ronquillo, Anthony Bradshaw, DeAngelis Jones, much love to you guys. Thank you so much. We will uh, update and see where we're at in the Stars contest for the Pat Sertan jersey at the end of this live stream. Thank you, guys. Um, all right, real quick here, Zach. I'm going to also do a little bit of, of uh, catch-up swag nation. Thank you. Fire Shermer, bench Teddy, because Drew would have beat the same teams Teddy did. Teddy has shown me nothing for him to be the starter. So do you think, Zach, maybe the, the scores might not have been the same, but do you agree with that premise that no. Drew would have gotten out to 3-0, would have lost the same games Teddy's lost? What are your thoughts there? I don't think he, he would have won today's game. I, I just don't think the Broncos had it. They weren't prepared. They didn't have the fire. They just they, they weren't ready to face the Steelers. And the same things that befell Teddy Bridgewater would have befallen Drew Locke. You know, the, the offensive line, the play calling, 
I mean, there were injuries that they were battling, didn't have some players out there today. Locke wouldn't have had his, his old security blanket in Alberto. I don't think it would have made a difference, and I think you might have seen a turnover happen sooner than the last play of the game. I'm not pinning this loss completely on Teddy Bridgewater, and for that matter, I'm not even giving him the brunt of, uh, you know, the he was the brunt for the Broncos losing today's game. I think the coaching was the bigger issue here than Teddy Teddy's play. I'll say this, though. It disappointed me that, I mean, I could be wrong on this. You know, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, right? But still, he didn't push the ball past the sticks till very late in the game. Like, everything was under. And so you have to – underneath. So you have to wonder, like, how much is that true lack of speed really holding back the offense because defenses now are kind of allowing themselves to just play that short zone – uh, flood the the middle of the field type thing and you know Sutton he's a 50-50 guy he can go get it and Timmy P is not too far behind him in terms of that but there's a difference between fearing ble- being blown off the ball with true elite speed and you know a corner getting beat at the catch point those are two different things I have to wonder uh, Simon up in Canada thank you bro he says definitely weary of watching a quality roster get dominated for three quarters, outplayed, outcoached. To me, this means Peyton needs to clean house at the end of the season. That's definitely the way it's trending, Zach, no doubt about it. And he probably will. And a lot of us, Chad and I included, have been saying that when he was hired, he should have gotten the opportunity and the chance to pick his own coach and have the choice to either retain or uh, fire Vic Fangio. It seems like Fangio was foisted upon George Payton, and those kind of marriages, those arranged marriages, rarely work out. And then when you add on to that Tom McMahon, Pat Shermer, and the rest, all the other deficiencies, you're seeing what's happening right now. Zebulon says, Teddy had a chance to lead the comeback and didn't and threw a pick. Drew Locke would be roasted. That's true. Yeah, he would be. No doubt about it. We've, you know, again, we could sit here and pull our hair out over the, you know, vagaries of lock derangement syndrome, but, you know, water's wet. Casey Nickel, thank you, bro. Three easy wins to start the season. Great teams take full advantage of those things to get into the playoffs with a strong record. Denver just ruined a better draft pick because of it. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, and this was something that uh, I'll, I'll pull it up here and show you guys, but Tom Hall, who does a great job with just not just analytics-based um, articles, but like really going back and examining, we'll just call them, even though technically they're not next-gen stats, next-gen type stats to provide a deeper understanding of you know specific storylines, components to the team. I'm going to pull this up. One of the things he wrote about this past week, Zach, was – the probability of the Broncos making the playoffs after a 3-0 start and then losing the fourth game, how important, pivotal in terms of odds, chances through an historical lens would be winning the fifth game. I'll pull that up. Obviously, they lost it, and I'll explain to you based on Tom's research here in a minute what that means for their playoff hopes, statistically speaking, uh, moving forward. Bryce again, thank you, buddy. He says, what I fear is George Payton giving this coaching staff an injury excuse and a second chance. Hopefully, they're smart. Yeah, dude, that ain't going to happen. If the Broncos – I, I don't care what the complexion of it is. If they fail to make the playoffs this year, especially after three and zero start, right. no coaching, no coaches surviving that. Uh, I mean, you might still keep a uh, Bill Kalar, you might still keep a Mike Munchak, but everyone else hit the bricks. 
Exactly, and that's the point that we were making after the Jets game. It was a blessing and a curse for Fangio to start 3-0 because it put even more pressure on him to prove that it wasn't a mirage and prove that the Broncos were legit, prove they were contenders, and ever since that Jets game, when the competition ratcheted up and it got better and the competition took it to Denver, you're starting to see that it was a mirage. So yeah, anything short of a playoff berth, and right now, playoffs! Playoff. I mean, it's you can't even fathom that. Three and zero. Everyone was talking Super Bowl and, and challenging Kansas City, and now it's Jim Mora playoffs. How could you fathom the Broncos even sneaking in right now, considering how badly they've lost? Not just today, but two weeks in a row now. Uh, here is one from David Wilder. Appreciate the stars, bro. How many more games does this coaching staff have? I don't think we should wait for the end of the season. I don't know. After starting three and zero, I think if you get to the midpoint of the season and you're three and five, you know, good chance Fangio gets uh, gets shown the door. But again, still quite a ways to go between now and then, Zach. I, yeah, I just don't see uh, George Payton being that impulsive. I think he preaches patience, and I think he's true to that uh, to that moral compass that he follows. So I think regardless, barring the Broncos losing like 10 straight games or something like that, keep getting blown out for four or five consecutive games, and they do have a challenging five-game schedule ahead, I think Peyton will give the Broncos until the end of the year and then make a bunch of moves after that. I'm going to read uh, the Patriot Brothers, Zachary Smouse in the house. Thank you, buddy. He says, if it feels like Shermer just didn't want, pardon, it feels like Shermer just doesn't want to coach this team. Plus, I've lost faith in Fangio. Shermer just doesn't want to play to this team's strengths. Fire all the coaches. I feel you, dog. I do. And part of what we do here on these gut reaction episodes as your football priest is we help you exercise the demons. And that's what we're, we're here to do. We're exercising our own. This is symbiotic. Zach, here's what I was speaking to real quick from Tom Hall. We're, we're going to end up going a little bit long tonight. But after this, we got to seriously rapid fire the remaining supers and bounce because there's lots of work to be done at milehighhuddle.com. But this is Tom's piece. Uh, go read it. Broncos playoff hopes. Uh, if they lose or why the Steelers game was much more important than fans realize. Uh, here's what he says, quote, first off teams that start out with a four and one record have a probability of making the postseason at 0.79, meaning a 79% chance through historical his, you know, based on history, this bodes well, but it isn't exactly the same scenario. The Broncos find themselves in because that loss could have come at any time at any point during the first five weeks. Broncos are coming off their first loss after starting 3-0, a victory against the Steelers this week, and the Broncos' probability of making the playoffs jumps to .73. Nearly as good as a 3-0 start, somewhat less than teams that reach 4-0 in any combination of when and how those wins and losses are created. Now the bad news. Teams that start the season at 3-2 have a probability of reaching the playoffs of .49, so it's basically a 50-50 chance, which isn't terrible, but it isn't confidence-boosting. When looking at the Broncos' specific scenario, it gets even worse. If the Broncos lose at Hinesville, the probability of the postseason plummets to a measly .38, so 38% chance. That's not a good bet. Does this mean that the Broncos' season hinges completely on the next game? No. But if the Broncos can go on the road, steal a victory, their hopes of an eventual playoff berth dramatically increases. And then the last thing, it would also be an indication that Denver's fast start was not a phony team uh, feasting on bottom feeders. It would be a significant boost in confidence for the fans and the team. So that's where you're at now, guys, based on how it's happened in NFL history. Your Denver Broncos now have a 38% chance of making the playoffs. Uh, not in reality based on like what the um, – not not based on how the AFC conference is shaping up or anything like that, just based on historical precedence, okay? Uh, BG, and then we got a rapid fire, Zach. He says, Zach, how can a defense come up clutch on third and two, playing the 
a corner eight yards off the line of scrimmage. I can call a better defense for that play. What WTF? Just give a free first down to any team. Zach, Ben Roethlisberger again, and we got a rapid fight here. They're going to take that easy money. I mean, yeah, that's that's definitely a coaching issue for sure, uh, playing off and playing coverage and uh, not clamping down on third and short. But when you have Patrick Sertan whiffing on tackles, that's where you can come up clutch. When you have safeties like uh, Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson getting turned around, that's would be coming up clutch if they can correct that. That's my point. And let me just add one thing to what you said, Chad, about the Broncos' record and the precedent there. I have two questions. Um Will, can they physically make it to that point? Will they have the players by the end of the year if they were to make a wild card considering how many injuries that have befallen them and the and the strength and conditioning challenges that are met by Lauren Landau that no one wants to talk about for whatever reason? And two, do, does this team right now, at 3-2 and two, coming off two bad losses, do they deserve to be in the playoffs? Do they deserve to be among the best in the tournament, Chad, playing January football? As of right now, no, they do not. Even if they sn- they sneak in by some miracle, 9-8, and 10-7, and seven, whatever, it wouldn't feel like they've earned it because we've seen now who the Broncos are. Now, a lot can change between now and December, January, but as of October 10th, they have no business being talked about as a playoff team. Rod TV says, fire these damn coaches. It took Teddy uh, to say it took for Teddy to say F them. I got this. Despite the interception, he showed me something F this Fangio for putting Vaughn in coverage. Yeah. People are really tripping on the Vaughn in coverage thing. And you know, that's all the contingent on when it happens, what the situation is down in distance. So I think you're justified there. Here's Dennis Woods, longtime listener in Michigan says Fuller gave them 14 points, got beat on a long pass. And then the PI, I thought he was supposed to be good. How many more losses before coaches get fired? I think the soonest is probably middle of the season, guys, barring something completely unforeseen. Uh, BG says, Simmons is, as I've always said, way overrated. And then uh, Timmy Shield says, Shermer should be fired today. This is pathetic. Dennis Woods, Zach, with another super chat. Thank you, bro. He says, do whatever it takes to get Watson, Deshaun Watson. Is Deshaun Watson going to save this ship from sinking, Zach? No, I mean, and and why would you, first of all, give up compensation for a guy still facing 22 sexual misconduct allegations? That's number one. Number two, you want to bring in Deshaun Watson, a dynamic quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in the league when he's on the field, and you want to saddle him with Pat Shermer? You want to saddle him with Vic Fangio? I mean, the same results would happen as far as I'm concerned, whether it's Locke, whether it's Bridgewater, whether it's Deshaun Watson. Until the coaching changes, the results won't change. Michaela, again, thank you. She says, Carolina is laughing at us. Oh, yeah. And it's not just Carolina laughing. There's there's a lot of teams laughing at the Broncos. And they should be. Broncos fan 13 says, I wish AJ would have caught those picks. Amen. Uh, so Milo with two super chats, one of which says Fangio might be worse than McDaniels. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd go that far, buddy, but I feel your pain. Um is ahead, Fangio Zach. is Fangio worse than Vance Joseph though? I mean that's a, that's a more tangible right. question. Uh, Eddie Vasquez says, "Is it Teddy or Shermer?" I say Shermer. What say you, Shermer. Zach? I mean, he didn't play all world today, but he stepped up. And when they actually called deep shots down the field, uh, Teddy made it happen. But when you have third and fifteen and you're checking it down for five yards, when that's the intended call, it is cowardly, gutless play calling and coaching on Pat Shermer's behalf. He has the most blame, as far as I'm concerned. Casey Nickel on a super says, "Run, run, pass, run, run, pass with tackle, two drop picks, 
Yes, indeed. Tomorrow in the aftermath episode, we'll take some time to kind of go through some of the numbers, but they are ugly, boys and girls. Uh, ugly. Josh Ostrom says, this team is stuck in the Stone Ages. They still think it's all about shutdown defense and a conservative offense. Flip the script. Very well said, brother. Very well said. Um, go ahead, Zach. I, I mean, the, the Broncos are, are rubbing sticks together to make fire when other teams are flying around on jetpacks. I mean, the difference is so staggering when you watch teams like the Cowboys, the Niners, the Packers, the Chiefs play football. It's like the Broncos are in a different class completely, a different league completely. Yeah, that's the sad part. Here is one from, pardon me, uh, from BG. Last Super Chat. Actually, I think uh, Aaron just jumped, dropped one. BG says, pretty sure I've put in like five supers. Can you guys kick this idiot Tommy Simmers out of here? What's Tommy doing? I haven't seen it. I haven't spent much time looking at the chat the way Scott is feeding us the supers. I've been looking on a different page, but if, if Tommy's being a troll, um, we can put him in timeout. Tommy's in timeout. Tommy, come on now. Let's go. Let's be kind. Let's not just be disruptive and uh, argumentative. Uh, and then here's Aaron, Zach, and then I'll have you do the rundown, get us out of here, and then I'll update where we're at on stars after today. Aaron, also, are we not going to talk about Vaughn being put on Claypool? Uh, Claypool, whose idea was that? You know, was it Vaughn's? Be, because it's you, Aaron. All right, I'm going to take a second, even though we're six minutes past here, to break this down. There are times in a game when it's cool and I think wise to throw different coverages and drop a guy that – you know, if it's a rush linebacker and you fear his rush, a guy, all of a sudden you drop him back. I mean, look at the AFC Championship game in 2015 when Vaughn got that pick six on Tom Brady. It was a great play call in the moment. What's the big difference between Wade Phillips and Vic Fangio, both of whom are considered to be two of the top defensive minds of their era? Wade is a significantly better gut feel play caller, you know, calling the right situation or plays in the right situations. Okay. And, uh, Vic is not, you know, his discernment, his taste, his feel, his knack for when to throw those curveballs at opponents. Typically, Zach, come at times where you're going, really? And so what happens is they lose their impact when the team, the opponent can either see it coming or it just completely doesn't fit the situation. And I think that's why it's jumping out so badly to, to people. I would have loved a curveball today, but Fangio tossed a, a lob underhanded softball to Big Ben when they put their only pass rusher that was getting home and getting pressure on Ben on a slot receiver in Chase Claypool. It's one thing to put Vaughn on a tight end. Even that I wouldn't want because, again, you're taking away his best asset, which is pass rushing. But to put him on a dynamic receiver like Claypool, again, I, everyone lauds Fangio as this defensive mastermind, this defensive guru, this evil genius. I don't think he's met those accolades. I think he's a very good defensive coach. I wouldn't even say he's a great defensive coach as far as I'm concerned. Hey, real quick for Tommy. Tommy, I put you in timeout, all right? Um, he says, hey, was, was uh, I trolling or just opinionated and represented with facts? In your defense, Tommy, I don't even know what you said, so maybe that's on me, but let's just try not to, you know, let's try to avoid Bronco on Bronco crime in these chats. Even it's the gut reaction, all right? But Zach, we got to go. It is, um, you know, we've ran long, but that's okay. Everyone, we're here to help everyone exercise those demons. We don't leave any superstars on the out in the cold. If you wouldn't mind doing the rundown to get us on yes, out sir. of here, I'm going to pull up and show everybody where we're at now on, on the PS2 jersey. 
Yes, sir. This was the Huddle Up Pod. I know it was a, a bad loss today, very disheartening loss, but we appreciate each and every one of you tuning in. In the meantime, until we see you guys next time, be sure to follow the pod on Twitter at Huddle Up Pod. You can follow the main account for all your Broncos news, analysis, reaction, film breakdowns, transactions, and so much more at Mile High Huddle. You can follow Chad on Twitter, as you can see, at Chad and Jensen. You can follow myself at Kelberman NFL. If you haven't already, go to HuddleUpPod.com and get your swag on. Get yourself a football priest hat, trucker hat hoodies coffee mugs anything and everything is in that store and more on the way also facebook.com slash mile i huddle hit that big blue button become a supporter three exclusive shows kelberman's corner broncos book club and trickle zone every single week be sure to subscribe for that also facebook.com slash mile i huddle pod like that page and follow that page if you haven't go to apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some aforementioned swag each and every month, but if you can't do any of those things, it's okay. We still ask you to do these three things that are free and take a few seconds. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every single video you see on the MHH channel. It helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. All right, guys, before we get on out of here, uh, shout out to all of our top star senders tonight. You know who you are. Here's where we're at. We started tonight at 17% complete. We're now at 18% to the goal of 250,000 stars. So we did move the needle, but we need to keep moving that if we're going to get to a goal because, uh, I mean, I can do the math. We were at like 25%. Let's see, 20. what, what are we at here? 10 divided by 31. So we're 32% of the way into the month at 18% on goal. So just that's just an FYI for everybody. We want to uh, raffle off that jersey. Here's the top senders in the running. Obviously, those in the running for the jersey are those who contributed to the goal. Mama Muti at number one, going to have the most tickets in the hat if we drew it today. Randy right behind her. Michael, three. Lawrence, four. Shane Daniels, five. Uh, Peter Middleton, six. Howie Frickin' Day, seven. Andrew Lampy eight. James Grossman, nine. And Gary Leeds Palmer at 10. And we will uh, update the YouTube tomorrow. We're actually thinking about changing things up on how we're going to do the, the Sertan drawing for YouTube so that Everyone is included. It's not just the top five finishers, so stay tuned for that. But, guys, as Zach said, this was the Gut Reaction uh, episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Keep your chins up. It's still early, all right? You, you're going to be sore today. You might, don't let it start your week off on a bad foot. You know, We'll be back tomorrow for the Aftermath episode. Let the dust settle. Talk about where we go from here. See what Fangio had to say today as well as what he'll say tomorrow around noon back uh, in Denver. So keep your chin up. We'll see you then, Zach. Sign us off, bro. Yes, sir. Guys, we're back on tomorrow night, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern for the Aftermath episode. Be there. We'll see you guys then. Take care. And until next time, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.